What a week it had been. The crowds had welcomed Jesus to Jerusalem, crying out, Hosanna! As he had ridden into the city. But Jesus had not come to restore glory to national Israel. He had not come to defeat the Roman Empire. His was a journey of humiliation. He was on his way to die on the cross. Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. The disciples had seen Judas. He who had been trusted with the money. He had been the treasurer. He had been the trusted friend and co-worker. They had seen him betray Jesus with a kiss. So it was that Jesus had been arrested and they had fled. Now, in the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were met together. But the doors were locked. They had heard testimonies of Christ's resurrection. But they were greatly troubled. There was fear. There was fear in their hearts. Because of the religious leaders, the authorities in the land. Would they be arrested? Would they have to face a similar death to their master. It was then that Christ came and stood in the midst. In verse 19 we see there is a particular emphasis on the fact that it was indeed the first day of the week that he came to them. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week they had gathered and Christ came and met with them. This was a pattern that our Lord set we see one week later that Jesus appeared to Thomas, gave him that personal assurance of his resurrection and called upon him to believe. The church continued to meet on Resurrection Day the first day of the week. We read in the book of Acts that at Troas, Acts chapter 20 verse 7, and upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, 
Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 2. The apostle gives instruction and says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. And the Apostle John, he was on the Isle of Patmos. He received that great revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we read him say in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The first day of the week is now the Lord's day, the Sabbath day for the church. This is why even now we gather on the Lord's day, the first day of the week. And as we look at this passage, we see that Christ came to them with assurance of peace. If you ever been abandoned by your closest ones at the moment of your greatest need, you may have had reason to become angry, resentful, bitter at them. But not Christ. Though they had been slow to believe what he had taught about his death and resurrection, though they had all forsaken him, and Peter had even denied him three times, yet when he came to them, as they were hidden away behind locked doors in the darkness of evening, he came to them with words of peace. This was no casual greeting, but a, a moment of assurance, a moment of repeated assurance. He came to assure them of forgiveness and reconciliation. He had died a terrible death. His body had been buried. But now he was standing before them. He was alive, risen from the dead. His resurrection was real. His body was real. They could see. They could even touch the prints of the nails in his hands and feet. It was the same body. But now, Gloriously changed. Jesus is risen. What great assurance we have because of his resurrection. The Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1 and at the fifth verse says that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Then he goes on to say, unto him that loved us 
and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Christian friend, you have peace with God because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Because of the wonderful truth of this, you have assurance. You are forgiven. You have peace with God. This is the whole message of the Christian gospel. It is a message of peace. Trust in Christ means reconciliation with God. But it also means that each day of your life you can experience God's peace whatever is happening to you. All the things around about that cause trouble and difficulty, you can trust the Lord. He is working out his purpose. He is in control. Our lives are to be ones of trusting as we serve. This is one of the great messages of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6 and at the 31st verse he says, Therefore take no thought, say, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Christian friend, our lives, our thoughts are to be focused on Christ. What he has done through his finished work at Calvary. What he is doing in the world today as he works out his purpose. And looking forward to the glorious promise of his coming again. Remembering that this world is not our inheritance. We have the wondrous truth that to live is Christ, but to die is, is gain. It's profitable to us to be here to help our neighbour, to be Christian witnesses for those around, to help and encourage our brethren in Christ. But it is so much better for us when we die to be 
absent from the body, present with the Lord. Though uncertainty fills the land, difficulty is at every hand, and we don't know when or if we will catch a dreadful disease and die. We can trust the Lord that we live in Him. He is working out His purpose. He is victorious. We can trust Him in all things. And know that sense of true contentment, whatever is happening in our lives. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Remember, he had suffered so terribly in his flesh, in his body. Persecution for being a preacher of the gospel, for being a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. But as he was in prison, he could say, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's because he knew the Lord. That's because he trusted him. Knew that his way was the best way. He who defeated death is trustable with our lives. Nothing can separate us from his love. Romans chapter 8 verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a, a wondrous, joyous truth. What an assurance of peace we can have through the truth of Christ's resurrection. Secondly, Christ commissioned his disciples. Why is the church here? Why, why doesn't the Lord take his people out of this world the moment they come to faith? What does he want us to do? The church is not here merely as some sort of social club. It's not a group for organising social work in the community, not just a gathering together for mutual encouragement and support. The Lord has given us a particular purpose that goes beyond any of that. We are here to do good things, to do good unto all men, especially those who have the household of faith. But the greatest good is to carry out the purpose, the commission of Christ. Verse 21 in John chapter 20 we read, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Christ, his work was unique. He came to die to make atonement, but that work was finished, complete. However, there is 
now a need to proclaim his truth, to proclaim Christ, his resurrection, following his death. The Lord Jesus had spent years of earthly ministry proclaiming the good news, calling for repentance and faith. And now, in this first meeting of the gathered disciples, he gives this commission to them, to us. He sends us to do the work of the gospel. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, is what he told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, just before his ascension. This was a group of insignificant people hidden away behind locked doors, but this group would be used to turn the world upside down. Even the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 3, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Much trembling. We are powerless in ourselves to achieve the gospel purpose, to carry out Christ's commission. But it is people like us that the Lord Jesus Christ has chosen to send, to give this task to. We are here as his ambassadors. Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 38, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. What an honour is ours to be here as ambassadors of Christ, to be trusted with carrying his message into this world. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, Jesus instructs, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Each day as we live our lives, whatever we are involved with doing, we are working for Jesus. He has sent us to be his witnesses. We have this great commission from Christ. It gives reason, it gives purpose to life. But we can't carry out this task in our own strength. And the Lord knows this. 
Indeed, in the passage before us, not only did he commission them, but he empowered them. Verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. It reminds somewhat of creation, where man had been created, and then God breathed life into him. And he became a living soul. We cannot undertake this work of our own. We need the Holy Ghost. And so it is that the Lord Jesus Christ breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. In this passage and comparing it with Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, it seems quite possible that this particular reference was to the disciples' need for their to have understanding of the Scriptures and of the things he would be teaching them during the days before his ascension. On the day of Pentecost, we see that the disciples received power for witness. The church as a whole has this responsibility. And in our personal lives, each of us has this duty to live out our lives as witnesses. But we remember uh, that the Lord has given his ascension gifts to the church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he gave uh, some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Uh, these have the particular responsibility of proclaiming and teaching the truth. In the gathered congregation to the wider society and people around about us. We still have the teaching of the apostles in the church today. We know it as the New Testament. The apostles' doctrine is the foundation of the church. What it is built upon. We have this great commission from Christ and the Holy Spirit has been given to empower us to carry it out. That commission is to preach the word in season and out of season. Thirdly, not only has Christ given us assurance of peace and commissioned us, sent us to undertake his work. He's also given us the message to proclaim. John chapter 20 verse 23 we read, Whosoever sins ye remit, 
they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. We must be careful with these words. Sadly, some have taken them and twisted them and used them to, to justify some idea of a, a priest who can hear personal confession and then pronounce absolution, forgiveness to that person. This is not what these words are about. This is nothing less than the proclamation of the good news telling people about forgiveness of sins through the finished work of Jesus Christ and warning those who will not repent, who will not believe, that they have no forgiveness. This is the message that Peter preached in Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. This is a message that divides people. We have a message of peace, but it is a message that causes division. It separates. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 16, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 15. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? It is through the preaching of the cross, through the preaching of Christ and him crucified, the glorious truth of his resurrection. The people are saved. But it's also how many are confirmed in their unbelief and rejection of Christ. The righteous judgment of God is shown. Christ is exalted. Sadly, our modern world around us. So many people. So little knowledge about the Lord Jesus Christ and our wondrous gospel of truth. We need to go back to preaching the truth of Christ his death, his resurrection, to explaining to people that Jesus died to save his people from their sins, that Jesus rose in mighty triumph from that tomb. He is alive. What a wonderful uh, truth that is. What about you? Have you seeing the glory of Christ? Is your trust in his finished work at Calvary 
do you know that assurance of peace? Or are you yet lost in your sins, a stranger to the grace of God? Dear friend, cry out to him today for mercy. Look to him to forgive you. Dear friend, whosoever believeth on the Lord shall be saved. We have a risen Savior. He appeared to his disciples in the evening of the first day of the week. And he blessed them with this great assurance of peace. Confirmed by the reality of his resurrection. He commissioned them. He sent them to undertake his work of witness. Empowering them through the Holy Spirit. And has given us this great glorious, wonderful message to proclaim. This message of peace through the cleansing blood of Christ. I just look to him every day in faith and nothing doubting. Amen.